0: Chapters 1 to 6, Book 1, Volume 1 of La Morte d'Arthur. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lizzie Driver. La Morte d'Arthur, Volume 1 by Sir Thomas Mallory. Book 1, Chapters 1 to 6. Chapter 1 it befell, in the days of Uther Pendragon, when he was king of all England and so reigned, that there was a mighty duke in Cornwall that held war against him long time, and the duke was called the Duke of Tintagel. And so, by means, King Uther sent for this duke, charging him to bring his wife with him, for she was called a fair lady and a passing wise, and her name was egraine So when the duke and his wife were come unto the king, by the means of great lords they were accorded both. The king liked and loved this lady well, and he made them great cheer out of measure, and desired to have lain by her. But she was a passing good woman, and would not assent unto the king. And then she told the duke her husband, and said, I suppose that we were sent for that I should be dishonoured. Wherefore, husband, I counsel you, THAT WE DEPART FROM HENCE SUDDENLY, THAT WE MAY RIDE ALL NIGHT UNTO OUR OWN CASTLE. AND IN LIKEWISE, AS SHE SAID, SO THEY DEPARTED, THAT NEITHER THE KING NOR NONE OF HIS COUNCIL WERE WARE OF THEIR DEPARTING. OR SO SOON AS KING UTHER KNEW OF THEIR DEPARTING SO SUDDENLY, HE WAS WONDERLY WROTH. THEN HE CALLED TO HIM HIS PRIVY COUNCIL, AND TOLD THEM OF THE SUDDEN DEPARTING OF THE DUKE AND HIS WIFE. Then they advised the king to send for the duke and his wife by a great charge. And if he will not come at your summons, then may ye do your best. Then have ye cause to make mighty war upon him. So that was done, and the messengers had their answers, and that was this shortly, that neither he nor his wife would not come at him. Then was the king wonderly wroth. And then the king sent him plain word again, and bade him be ready, and stuff him and garnish him, for within forty days he would fetch him out of the biggest castle that he hath. When the duke had this warning, anon he went and furnished and garnished two strong castles of his, of the which the one hight Tintagel, and the other castle hight Terribil. So his wife, Dame Igrane, he put in the castle of Tintagel, and himself he put in the castle of Terribil, the witch had many issues and posterns out. Then in all haste came Uther with a great host, and laid a siege about the castle of Terrible. And there he pied many pavilions, and there was great war made on both parties, and much people slain. Then, for pure anger, and for great love of fairy grain, the king Uther fell sick. So came to the king Uther Sir Ulfius, a noble knight, "'and asked the king why he was sick. "'I shall tell thee,' said the king, "'I am sick for anger and for love of the fairy grain, "'that I may not be whole.' "'Well, my lord,' said Sir Ulfius, "'I shall seek Merlin, "'and he shall do you remedy that your heart shall be pleased.' "'So Ulfius departed, "'and by adventure he met Merlin in a beggar's array. "'And there Merlin asked Ulfius whom he sought.' AND HE SAID HE HAD LITTLE ADO TO TELL HIM. WELL, SAID MERLIN, I KNOW WHOM THOU SEEKEST, FOR THOU SEEKEST MERLIN. THEREFORE SEEK NO FATHER, FOR I AM HE, AND IF KING UTHER WILL WELL REWARD ME, AND BE SWORN UNTO ME TO fulfil MY DESIRE, THAT SHALL BE HIS HONOUR AND PROFIT MORE THAN MINE, FOR I SHALL CAUSE HIM TO HAVE ALL HIS DESIRE. ALL THIS I WILL UNDERTAKE, SAID Ulfius. That there shall be nothing reasonable but thou shalt have thy desire. Well, said Merlin, he shall have his intent and desire. And therefore, said Merlin, ride on your way, for I will not be long behind. Chapter two Then Alpheus was glad, and rode on more than a pace till he came to King Uther Pendragon, and told him he had met with Merlin. Where is he? said the king. "'Sir,' said "Ulfius, "'he will not dwell long.' "'Therewithal, Ulfius was where, where Merlin stood, "'at the porch of the pavilion's door. "'And then Merlin was bound to come to the king. "'When King Uther saw him, he said he was welcome. "'Sir,' said Merlin, "'I know all your heart every deal. "'So ye will be sworn unto me as ye be a true king anointed. "'To fulfil my desire, ye shall have your desire.' Then the king was sworn upon the four evangelists. "'Sir,' said Merlin, "'this is my desire. "'The first night that ye shall lie by a grain, "'ye shall get a child on her, "'and when that is born, "'then it shall be delivered to me, "'for to nourish there as I will have it. "'For it shall be your worship, "'and the child's avail, "'as mickle as the child is worth.' "'I will well,' said the king, "'as thou wilt have it. Now make you ready, said Merlin, This night ye shall lie with a grain In the castle of Tintagel, And ye shall be like the duke her husband. Ulfius shall be like Sir Brastius, A knight of the dukes, And I will be like a knight That hight Sir Jordanus, A knight of the dukes. But wait ye, make not many questions With her, nor her men, But say ye are diseased, And so hide your bed, And rise not on the morn till I come to you. "'for the castle of Tintagel is but ten miles hence. "'So this was done as they devised. "'But the duke of Tintagel espied how the king rode from the siege of Terrible, "'and therefore that night he issued out of the castle at a postern, "'for to have distressed the king's host. "'And so, through his own issue, the duke himself was slain, "'or ever the king came at the castle of Tintagel.' So, after the death of the duke, King Uther lay with the grain more than three hours after his death, and begat on her that knight Arthur. And on day came Merlin to the king, and bade him make him ready, and so he kissed the lady a grain, and departed in all haste. But when the lady heard tell of the duke her husband, and by all record he was dead, or ever King Uther came to her. Then she marvelled who that might be that lay with her in likeness of her lord. So she mourned privily and held her peace. Then all the barons by one assent prayed the king of accord betwixt the lady Agrain and him. The king gave them leave, for fain would he have been accorded with her. So the king put all the trust in Ulpheus to entreat between them. So by the entreaty at the last the king and she met together. "'Now will we do well,' said Ulfius. "'Our king is a lusty knight, and wifeless, "'and my lady Agrain is a passing fair lady. "'It were great joy unto us all, "'and it might please the king to make her his queen.' "'Unto that they all well accorded and moved it to the king. "'And anon, like a lusty knight, he assented thereto with good will.' And so in all haste they were married in a morning with great mirth and joy. And King Lot of Lothian and of Orkney then wedded Morgays. That was Gawain's mother. And King Nentress of the land of Garlot wedded Elaine. All this was done at the request of King Uther. And the third sister, Morgan Le Fay, was put to school in a nunnery. And there she learned so much that she was a great clerk of necromancy. And after she was wedded to King Urian's of the land of Gore, that was Sir Ywain's LE Blanchmain's father, Chapter Three. Then Queen Egrain waxed daily greater and greater, so it befell after within half a year, as King Uther lay by his queen, he asked her by the faith she owed to him, whose was the child within her body. Then she saw abashed to give answer. "'Dismay you not,' said the king, "'but tell me the truth, "'and I shall love you the better "'by the faith of my body.' "'Sir,' said she, "'I shall tell you the truth. "'The same night that my lord was dead, "'the hour of his death, "'as his knights record, "'there came into my castle of Tintagel "'a man like my lord in speech and in countenance, "'and two knights with him, "'in likeness of his two knights Brastius and Jordanus.' And so I went unto bed with him as I ought to do with my lord, and the same night, as I shall answer unto God, this child was begotten upon me. That is truth, said the king, as ye say, for it was I myself that came in the likeness, and therefore dismay you not, for I am father of the child. And there he told her all the cause, how it was by Merlin's counsel. Then the queen made great joy when she knew who was the father of her child. Soon came Merlin unto the king, and said, "'Sir, ye must purvey you for the nourishing of your child.' "'As thou wilt,' said the king. "'Be it.' "'Well,' said Merlin, "'I know a lord of yours in this land "'that is a passing true man and a faithful, "'and he shall have the nourishing of your child. "'And his name is Sir Ector.' and he is a lord of fair livelihood in many parts in england and wales and this lord sir ector let him be sent for for to come and speak with you and desire him yourself as he loveth you that he will put his own child to nourishing to another woman and that his wife nourish yours and when the child is born let it be delivered to me at yonder privy postern unchristened so like as merlin devised it was done and when sir ector was come he made fiancé to the king for to nourish the child like as the king desired and there the king granted sir ector great rewards then when the lady was delivered the king commanded two knights and two ladies to take the child bound in a cloth of gold and that ye deliver him to what poor man ye meet at the postern gate of the castle so the child was delivered unto merlin and so he bare it forth unto Sir Ector, and made an holy man to christen him, and named him Arthur. And so Sir Ector's wife nourished him with her own pap. Chapter four Then within two years King Uther fell sick of a great malady, and in the meanwhile his enemies usurped upon him, and did a great battle upon his men, and slew many of his people. Sir, said Merlin, YE MAY NOT LIE SO AS ye DO, FOR YE MUST TO THE FIELD, THOUGH ye RIDE ON A HORSE-LITTER. FOR YE SHALL NEVER HAVE THE BETTER OF YOUR ENEMIES, BUT IF YOUR PERSON BE THERE, AND THEN SHALL YE HAVE THE VICTORY. SO IT WAS DONE AS MERLIN HAD DEVISED, AND THEY CARRIED THE KING FORTH IN A HORSE-LITTER WITH A GREAT HOST TOWARDS HIS ENEMIES. AND AT SAID ALBAN'S THERE MET WITH THE KING A GREAT HOST OF THE NORTH, And that day Sir Ulfius and Sir Brastius did great deeds of arms, and King Uther's men overcame the northern battle, and slew many people, and put the remnant to flight. And then the king returned unto London, and made great joy of his victory. And then he fell passing sore sick, so that three days and three nights he was speechless. Wherefore all the barons made great sorrow, and asked Merlin what counsel were best, There is none other remedy, said Merlin, but God will have his will. But look ye all barons be before King Uther to mourn, and God and I shall make him to speak. So on the morn all the barons with Merlin came to fore the king. Then Merlin said aloud unto King Uther, Sir, shall your son Arthur be king after your days, of this realm with all the appurtenance? Then Uther Pendragon turned him, and said in hearing of them all, I give him God's blessing and mine, and bid him prayer for my soul, and righteously and worshipfully that he claim the crown upon forfeiture of my blessing. And therewith he yielded up the ghost, and there was he interred as longed to a king. Wherefore the queen, fairy grain, made great sorrow, and all the barons. CHAPTER Five. Then stood the realm in great jeopardy long while, for every lord that was mighty of men made him strong, and many weened to have been king. Then Merlin went to the Archbishop of Canterbury, and counselled him for to send for all the lords of the realm, and all the gentlemen of arms, that they should to London come by Christmas, upon pain of cursing. And for this cause that Jesus, that was born on that night, that he would of his great mercy show some miracle, as he was come to be king of mankind, for to show some miracle who should be rightwise king of this realm. So the archbishop, by the advice of Merlin, sent for all the lords and gentlemen of arms, that they should come by Christmas even unto London. And many of them made them clean of their life, that their prayer might be the more acceptable unto god so in the greatest church of london whether it were paul's or not the french book maketh no mention all the estates were long or day in the church for to pray and when martin's and the first mass was done there was seen in the churchyard against the high altar a great stone four square like unto a marble stone "'and in the midst thereof was like an anvil of steel a foot on high. "'And therein struck a fair sword naked by the "'and letters there were written in gold about the sword, "'that said thus, "'Whoso pulleth out this sword of this stone and anvil "'is rightwise king born of all England.' "'Then the people marvelled, and told it to the archbishop. "'I command,' said the archbishop, THAT YE KEEP YOU WITHIN YOUR CHURCH, AND PRAY UNTO GOD STILL. that NO MAN TOUCH THE SWORD, TILL THE HIGH MASS BE ALL DONE. SO WHEN ALL MASSES WERE DONE, ALL THE LORDS WENT TO BEHOLD THE STONE AND THE SWORD. AND WHEN THEY SAW THE SCRIPTURE, SOME assayed, SUCH AS WOULD HAVE BEEN KING. BUT NONE MIGHT STIR THE SWORD, NOR MOVE IT. HE IS NOT HERE, SAID THE ARCHBISHOP, THAT SHALL ACHIEVE THE SWORD. "'but doubt not God will make him known.' "'But this is my counsel,' said the archbishop, "'that we let purvey ten knights, men of good fame, "'and they to keep this sword.' "'So it was ordained, and then there was made a cry, "'that every man should assay that would, for to win the sword. "'And upon New Year's Day the barons let make a joust and a tournament,' that all knights that would joust or tourney there might play. And all this was ordained for to keep the lords together and the commons. For the archbishop trusted that God would make him known that should win the sword. So upon New Year's Day, when the service was done, the barons rode unto the field, some to joust and some to tourney. And so it happened that Sir Ector, that had great livelihood about London, rode unto the jousts, and with him rode Sir Kay his son, and young Arthur that was his nourished brother, and Sir Kay was made knight at all hallow-mass afore. So as they rode to the joust's ward, Sir Kay lost his sword, for he had left it at his father's lodging, and so he prayed young Arthur for to ride for his sword. "'I will well,' said Arthur, and rode fast after the sword, and when he came home, the lady and all were out to see the jousting. Then was Arthur wroth, and said to himself, I will ride to the churchyard, and take the sword with me that sticketh in the stone, for my brother Sir Kay shall not be without a sword this day. So when he came to the churchyard, Sir Arthur alighted, and tied his horse to the stile, and so he went to the tent, and found no knights there, for they were at the jousting. And so he handled the sword by the handles, and lightly and fiercely pulled it out of the stone, and took his horse and rode his way until he came to his brother Sir Kay, and delivered him the sword. And as soon as Sir Kay saw the sword, he wist well it was the sword of the stone. And so he rode to his father Sir Ector, and said, Sir, lo, here is the sword of the stone, wherefore I must be king of this land. When Sir Ector beheld the sword, he returned again and came to the church. And there they alighted all three, and went into the church. And anon he made Sir Kay swear upon a book, how he came to that sword. "'Sir,' said Sir Kay, "'by my brother Arthur, for he brought it to me.' "'How gat ye this sword!' said Sir Ector to Arthur. "'Sir, I will tell you, when I came home from my brother's sword,' I found nobody at home to deliver me his sword. And so I thought my brother Kay should not be swordless. And so I came hither eagerly, and pulled it out of the stone without any pain. "'Found ye any knights about this sword?' said Sir Ector. "'Nay,' said Arthur. "'Now,' said Sir Ector to Arthur, "'I understand ye must be king of this land.' "'Wherefore I,' said Arthur, "'and for what cause?' Sir, said Ector, for God will have it so, for there should never man have drawn out this sword but he that shall be rightwise king of this land. Now let me see whether you can put the sword there as it was, and pull it out again. That is no mastery, said Arthur, and so he put it in the stone, wherewithal Sir Ector essayed to pull out the sword and failed. Chapter six. "'Now assay,' said Sir Ector unto Sir Kay. "'And anon he pulled at the sword with all his might. "'But it would not be. "'Now shall ye assay,' said Sir Ector to Arthur. "'I will well,' said Arthur, and pulled it out easily. "'And therewithal Sir Ector knelt down to the earth, and Sir Kay. "'Alas,' said Arthur, my own dear father and brother, "'why kneel ye to me?' "'Nay, nay, my lord Arthur, it is not so. "'I was never your father, nor of your blood. "'But I wot well ye are of an higher blood than I weened ye were.' "'And then Sir Ector told him all. "'How he was betaken him for to nourish him, "'and by whose commandment, and by Merlin's deliverance. "'Then Arthur made great dole when he understood "'that Sir Ector was not his father. "'Sir,' said Ector unto Arthur, "'Will ye be my good and gracious lord when ye are king? "'Else were I to blame,' said Arthur, "'for ye are the man in the world that I am most beholden to, "'and my good lady and mother your wife, "'that as well as her own hath fostered me and kept. "'And if ever it be God's will that I be king as ye say, "'ye shall desire of me what I may do, "'and I shall not fail you.' "'God forbid I should fail you, sir,' said Sir Ector. I will ask no more of you, but that ye will make my son your foster-brother, Sir Kay, seneschal of all your lands. That shall be done, said Arthur, and more, by the faith of my body, that never man shall have that office but he, while he and I live. Therewithal they went unto the archbishop, and told him how the sword was achieved, and by whom and on the twelfth day all the barons came thither, and to assay to take the sword, who that would assay. But there afore them all, there might none take it out but Arthur. Wherefore there were many lords wroth, and said it was great shame unto them all and the realm to be overgoverned with a boy of no high blood-born. And so they fell out at that time, that it was put off till candlemas and then all the barons should meet there again. But always the ten knights were ordained to watch the sword night and day, and so they set a pavilion over the stone and the sword, and five always watched. So at Candlemas many more great lords came thither for to have won the sword, but there might none prevail. And right as Arthur did at Christmas, he did at Candlemas, and pulled out the sword easily, whereof the barons were sore aggrieved, and put it off in delay till the high feast of Easter. And, as Arthur sped before, so did he at Easter. Yet there were some of the great lords had indignation that Arthur should be king, and put it off in a delay till the feast of Pentecost. Then the Archbishop of Canterbury, by Merlin's providence, let purvey then of the best knights that they might get, and such knights as Uther Pendragon loved best, and most trusted in his days. And such knights were put about Arthur as Sir Bordwyn of Britain, Sir Kay, Sir Ulpheus, Sir Brastius. All these, with many others, were always about Arthur, day and night, till the feast of Pentecost. End of Book One, Chapters One to Six